G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. As we get ready to celebrate Easter, the images of pomp and ceremony, of, of crimson-clad clergy and grand cathedrals probably springs to mind. But that very first Easter was nothing like that. In fact, it was a lonely, painful time for Jesus. He understands loneliness and pain, and in the midst of it, he brings hope. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me as today we take a look at the Easter we're about to celebrate from a different perspective. And do stay tuned, because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever you happen to be dealing with in your life just at the moment. Each year at Easter on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the world's evening news services beam images of the church's Easter celebrations from around the globe right onto our television screens. And invariably, those images look something like this. They're filmed in big, lofty, imposing cathedrals packed full of the faithful. There are processions of crimson-clad clergy following a cross down the aisle. There are choirs garbed in red and in white singing hymns and songs. There are church leaders preaching a message to their flock. Of course, not all of us celebrate Easter like that, but that's the image that we seem to project out into the world. That Easter is a time both for solemnity and celebration, and that somehow what goes along with that is some considerable pomp and ceremony. Now, the abundant use of the colour red in the clothing of many clergy harkens back to the shedding of Jesus' blood. That's what it's meant to symbolise. But as I look at those images on my television screen year after year, I wonder whether the impressions I get aren't more about the apparent regal nature of the church than the sacrifice of Jesus. And frankly, I despair at many of the messages I hear preached by the religious elite. They talk about world peace or poverty or or they apologise for the abuses of the church, which it seems in recent years are many. And I wonder sometimes whether as a whole, as the body of Christ, we somehow aren't missing the point. And the point of that first Easter during that fateful Passover celebration 2,000 odd years ago had little, in fact, no, it had nothing to do with the trappings of Easter that somehow we seem to have heaped onto the commemoration and the celebration. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking the different traditions and the way they choose to commemorate and to celebrate. Traditions are, in many respects, good things. That is, unless and until they displace the central meaning of the thing it is they represent. Traditions are, in many respects, good things unless and until they displace the central meaning of the thing that it is that they seek to represent. That first Easter didn't have any sense of pomp or ceremony about it. In fact, Jesus, well, for him it was a lonely time, an intensely painful time, a time when he suffered alone for you and for me. After he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples and washed their feet and predicted that his betrayer was in their midst, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. 
Then he said to them, I'm so deeply grieved, even to death. Stay here and stay awake with me. And going a little further, he threw himself onto the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into a time of trial. Wow, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, Jesus went for a second time and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink of it, your will be done. Again, he came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Look! The hour's at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's be going. My betrayer is at hand. That came from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. Jesus wanted his friends to be praying with him in his hour of anguish, and yet instead he wrestled with his fate alone in the dark. During his trials, there were several of them, none of his friends came and supported him. No no, no one stood up for him, gave you a good report about him. None of them. And at his arrest, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, and with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one whom I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. And so when he came, he came up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. But one of those who stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Have you come out with your swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you didn't arrest me? But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him and fled. A certain young man was following him wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but he let the linen cloth go and ran off naked. Mark chapter 14, verses 43 to 52. Jesus was alone, and on the cross he hung alone, suffered alone, died alone. Where was the pomp? Where was the ceremony? There was none. Why am I sharing this with you? Because this Jesus understands suffering. He understands loneliness. He understands you and what you have to travel through because he's been there and he's been through much worse. Formal Easter celebrations? Great, fantastic, awesome. But if sometimes you're left with that hollow feeling at Easter as though what's going on around you doesn't really resonate with where you're at, then come with me and meet This lonely Jesus, this suffering Jesus, the Jesus who was rejected and spat upon, the nailed Jesus, the gasping Jesus. And remember, he did this for you. For you. He did this to set you free from your bondage of sin. And as we'll see over the next couple of days, he did this to bring you a certain hope through his resurrection. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, if the pomp and the ceremony perhaps haven't been connecting with you, forget about them and rest for a while with Jesus. In the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the deepest, inkiest blackness imaginable, you can claim this scripture for your very own. God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. 
1 Corinthians 6, 14. Isn't that just so awesome? When none of the Easter pomp and ceremony connects with the deepest longings of your heart, Jesus does. The one who suffered and died for you. And the one whose dead body received life again in that lonely, empty tomb. You see, even the resurrection bit, even the bit where hope entered this world because death could no longer hold him down, the death of my sins and yours that you and I so richly deserved, even in that most amazing moment in all of history, when Jesus came back to life, it took place alone in the darkened tomb, away from the glare of the spotlights, away from the adulation of the crowds, away from the sight of any human eye, the dead body of Jesus came to life. Colour returned to his cheeks. His heart started to beat again. He started to breathe again. And the resurrection body of Jesus was ready to show the world that he came to bring us hope. I compare the two, the pomp and the ceremony of the traditional Easter celebrations of today and that amazing transaction of grace and hope that took place in the midst of extreme loneliness for Jesus. And I know which one I prefer. I know which one connects with me deep in my heart. I know which one breathes hope into me. It's Jesus. to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at powerfulprayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is powerfulprayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.